Welcome to the West of North London podcast, where we answer your big Arsenal questions of the week. I'm Caleb. And I'm Tim. How are you, Tim? How are you feeling? How's everything going uh, on your end? Pretty good. Pretty good. As usual, nothing that exciting to report. Went camping over the week, socially distanced and responsible camping. But went camping and had a bunch of plumbing done, which was exciting. How about you? I think it's funny though that uh, anytime anybody does anything now, you it seems like a lot of people are the first thing they say is like how they were responsible when they went out and hung out with people. <laughs> I think that's just like the natural yes. thing. It's like I went out and did this and I made sure I wore a mask and I stood you know, it's like <laughs> you have to explain that you are not being stupid when you went out. And I totally get it. I do the exact same thing. You have to justify why you were out of the house and for how long and <laughs> make sure that and everyone understands yeah <laughs> running around spreading viruses to people yeah although it's exactly. funny like i've done a couple camping trips and i feel like i'm much more safe when i'm out in the middle of the woods not next to anybody than i am in even just in my neighborhood you know yeah we're we were talking about camping ourselves and it sounds like a good idea but you do have to make sure you go to like um you know, one of the open sites that you can get, get to, or, you know, some place that's a little more distance than like your standard RV park or camping site where people are probably packed in right now with that being like one of the only things you can do. Um, so you'd, you'd be, you'd have a lot of people around you is what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. One of the joys of being unemployed right now is that I can do weekday camping, which the, uh, the, the sites are pretty open for that. Yeah. Yeah. That does help to be on the off schedule. Yeah, exactly. So what kind of drink do you have today? Uh, today, just, you know, this is one of my go-to beers. Uh, it's the uh, Fremont Brewing Interurban IPA. Just, oh, I love that beer. Love that it's, beer. It's an easy-to-drink IPA, so I, I exactly. usually go for it. Yeah, I'm going with an extremely boring Carlsberg Tallboy, which is I found I go only go grocery shopping once every like week and a half. I try and stay because I actually have to go into the grocery store. So I try and limit that as much as possible. And I found this like it's a 12 pack of Carlsberg Tallboys for a good price. So I just kind of buy that as my staple beer. So that's my exciting beer for today. That, you know. The classics usually win out when you're in a pinch. Mm -hmm. All right. I see a question of the week here, and I'm uh, I'm anxious to hear what it is. Ah, uh, yeah. So my question of the week is, it's, it's soccer-related, not necessarily Arsenal-related, but as most of us know, uh, the MLS is trying to do this Welcome Back tournament, which seems like a disaster waiting to happen. And one of the funny things I saw in my in my social media feed was a couple of the players showing their $65 meals, which was a box lunch sandwich and banana that looked just like absolutely awful. And I was and the players are complaining basically that this is one of the worst meals that they've ever had as they're preparing for getting back into playing soccer. So it made me think, what is your worst meal you've ever had? In a restaurant, I would say. Yeah. So, do you mean like worst food, worst service? What What's your criteria, or what are you, What are you looking for there? I think I'm going to go with worst food. Worst food. Okay. Um, 
So I, I, I won't get too specific, but there's definitely a, a Chinese buffet. And, and, you know, just say the words Chinese buffet. And I, it, yeah. I really don't have to say any more, right? But um, the, the, there are good ones out there. So that's not to say they're all bad. But, you know, when, when I say that there was some very interesting shaped mystery meat on a stick and I went, <laughs> I went for it anyway, but then I, my, my friend I was with was like, that really looks like the outline of a mouse on a stick. Like if you were to dip it in batter. <laughs> and I, I took one look at it and I was like, that absolutely does look like it could be like a, a, a filleted mouse that's been <laughs> deep fried. <laughs> and it wasn't labeled. I just, it just looked good. You know, it had that, it had that sheen to it that Chinese food does. It just like, it's kind of that greasy yeah. goodness you're looking for. And I, I just went for it. I didn't think about it. But then as soon as he pointed that out, it kind of made me look close, more closely at the rest of the food I was eating. And I just got, I was just like, I'm done. No, I think, I think that's it. <laughs> you ruined the whole thing for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. That, that's what came to mind immediately. So did you actually taste the, uh, the mouse meat? Uh, I, I think I, I went for a bite just to like prove to him that it wasn't a mouse and it was, you know, probably chicken or something, but it was, it was a little chewy, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't even like good chicken. So I think it was enough to be like, okay, yeah, now that you, now that you point out how crappy this food looks, it doesn't taste too great either. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, the, the illusion was broken. I was just like, it's one of those things like with a, a buffet um, in general, I'm always just like enamored with the idea of like having so much food and not so much yeah. about how the quality is. I'm just like, but there's all you can eat. How can you <laughs> go wrong? I'm more excited about that idea than the actual food itself sometimes. So, you know, your eye, my eyes are bigger than my stomach or I don't know how you would say it for my, uh, my eyes tend to overlook the bad qualities just to <laughs> appease the, the, um, Oh, what is the word? Not sloth. I'm trying to think of what, um, gluttony. gluttony. There it is. That took me a minute. Yeah. <laughs> trying to appease my, my gluttonous nature. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. Mine, my worst memory is related to a soccer, uh, experience I had. And so, it was a horrible soccer experience, so I don't know necessarily if it was just my mindset at the time, but it was after the second MLS Cup final that Seattle played in Toronto, which I flew up there on credit and nothing else and slept in airports. Like I barely got there. Um, and then the game was just absolutely torturous. And I left the stadium and you have all the Toronto fans just I remember walking away from the stadium and just hearing all the Toronto fans talking shit about the Sounders and how bad they were and it was just like it was hurting me physically or mentally I guess more than physically <laughs> and then I hadn't eaten all day because you know like I woke up in the morning met up with a bunch of friends we went to the bar da 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 and so I was just starving and as a vegetarian it's hard to actually find restaurants especially I think it was like probably 10 o'clock at night it was later at night that are open so eventually i saw this one chinese food slash thai food restaurant which i know better than to uh -huh. do something like that because usually when you do two cuisines it's probably you're not doing either great you know <laughs> uh -huh. and it was also like no one was in the restaurant which is also another sign that i should know better and the uh lights it was all like bright like 
fluorescent lighting. It was like no ambiance. It looked like a cafeteria style. So I should have known better, but I was hungry and I know I can eat some Thai food. So I ordered a pad Thai because like my general feeling was, how can you screw up a pad Thai? And it was literally the worst food I've ever had. I didn't eat like more than like three bites and I just like left (laughs) the table and was gone. Like it was awful. But again, I don't know. I don't know if it was just my mentality or, or if it was just that bad. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think, I feel like a lot of the um, bad food experiences I've run into uh, tend to be when you're traveling. Like, I feel like you're already just, you're kind of just going with what's convenient a lot of the time. So you're just, you're bound to strike out more than, um, more often than not when you're traveling, especially like if you're trying to eat on the go. Exactly. And like, and you just don't know the area, you don't know what's good and what's not. And that's how they get you. Yeah, absolutely. Especially the airport restaurants there. Don't get me started. (sighs) Yeah. Anyway, so we're here to talk about Arsenal, not our horrible food experiences the whole time. (laughs) We'll just go with half the podcast this week and Leave the other half for Arsenal. <laughs> um, so we've had three games since the last time we 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 talked. So that's a lot to to digest here and try to remember. But um, you know we've not lost in those three games. So you know that's the that's the positive to take away from it. I think, and I think outside of what the results were the team just looked a lot more solid than I've seen them look in a long time. What, what's, what was your overall impression of the last three games? Um, and, and I'm not going to get too much into the Leicester game. Cause I think we have a lot to talk about the Leicester game, but I think of the three games that since we were last on everything, but this last, the last half of the Leicester game, which is a fun tongue twister to say, I, uh, everything, but that half we've looked, I've enjoyed how we've looked and to be fair playing against Norwich they're they're awful but that Wolves game I was extremely impressed with how we played I've I've I I see so much positives that I hope we can take forward from I thought our wing play was good Sokka looks amazing I like our top three other than I think Lacazette could actually score more even though he did score um I'm overall very positive I think our defense actually looks solid what are your What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think you're seeing a team that's really settling into um, this formation, um, just just a more positive mentality and in a um, kind of just a general strength that we haven't seen from the team. I think like a lot of these time, a lot of these um, lower level teams would get to us and make Arsenal look silly, like not not to the level that they we expect from them. And I didn't see that from Norwich. They dominated that game with a four-goal win. And then to the other end, you're looking at like games where Arsenal haven't brought their A game when they're going up against opponents that are at their level or above either. Um, so we've seen kind of both extremes, and I think they they <clears throat> acquitted themselves with the Wolves game. They just looked like they were ready for it and ready to take on um, the things that were working for Wolves, they were ready to dismantle those and really take their their best players out of the game. And I think um, too often we 
um, bite on those things and aren't able to get through a whole game and, and maintain control over those sorts of elements like Troyara and stuff. Um, you have to mark those players out of games if you want to take out those big big teams. And I think Arsenal looked like they were up for that challenge and, and delivered on that. Um, so in both instances of those two games, Arsenal stepped up and did what they had to do. They had a decisive win and they were able to mark out dangerous players. And so we're seeing different aspects of what this Arteta Arsenal looks like. And I'm liking everything I'm seeing. And even today's game in the first half, uh, you know, they looked downright dominant. I mean, they, they, they had so many chances and it's unfortunate that they weren't able to capitalize on those, but, um, if you look at chances created that, that wasn't, and it, it was with multiple players too. It wasn't just a creating things out of thin air. It was several players who had chances. Um, so well, you're, I mean, you're I seeing, think, you're think, seeing a broad range of, of things coming from Arteta's system. When you, when you're getting back to the chances, I don't, it is a lot of players creating the chances, which I'm enjoying. I think that there are several players that need to start finishing those chances. And I'm, I'm definitely looking at Lacazette as someone who does and in today's game he had such a several golden opportunities to finish and i don't know what to think about him that with that which is that he gets into such great positions and gets into such great scoring positions and then it's just that last little bit like the the diving header is a great example from today's game mm-hmm. where it should have been one of the goals of the season. It looked very much like uh, Robin Van Persie's uh, goal in the uh, <laughs> That's Brazil World Cup. Yeah, he yeah. was totally laid out, and it just he just headed it straight to the keeper. And it's just it, it, it's crazy to me that he can't find that little bit of finishing, you know? Yeah i I think like the thing that stands out to me like there is a very specific scenario when I think he's he can be one of the most dangerous players on the field and that's when it, when his back is to goal he's in the box and you can get a pass to his feet. He he can make that turn and get a shot off like 95% of the time. Um now the other aspect of that is that he's not scoring 95% of the time but he's he's really good at that getting that shot. Um but that's only like a, a sliver of the types of passes that he's getting. And I just not like the heading doesn't look convincing. Um, driving into the box doesn't really happen. So he's usually either on the end of a low cross or trying to do headers. And neither one of those seem to be finishing for him. Um, but I do think with his back to goal, his, his skill set is making that quick, quick turn, opening himself up for a shot and getting, getting something out of that. But until he can start finishing those, it, it's, it's really frustrating to watch how many chances he, he gets and doesn't finish. Yeah, exactly. But it, on the positive side, I, sorry, I totally took that on a dark negative side, but on the positive <laughs> side, I like how the, the front three are operating in all three of these games. I like you have whoever is in that front three band of players, I think are interplaying really well together. I think it shows the best of both Oba and Sokka. Yeah, and we've seen um we've seen Sokka up here on the left and the right. Um we've seen Pepe in there, we've seen Lacazette in there, um, we've seen Enkedia in there. Um so 
there, there's a lot of rotating pieces there and they each seem to bring a, a little different, um, skill set, um, to the, to that, uh, front three. So it's interesting to see how those pairings will work and who's going to emerge as the, um, you know, the main three front three for Arsenal. I, I think, um, due to the rotation that we have to do for these games, we're going to continue to see those, those positions swap out. Um, and it'll be very interesting for me to see what, what the front three looks like for, um, the, Tottenham game this weekend I think we'll definitely see Aubameyang and Saka in that lineup but um do you think he should start Lacazette I mean it's interesting because I don't think Enkedia can play with his red card right he's gonna get a game suspension right right um yeah I I don't know if that's if if you um I, I guess you have to play Lacazette I'm trying to think if there's any yeah any other way to do it. Um, it's just I mean, you could hard to watch him miss so often. Yeah. I mean, I guess what you could do is do like a Pepe and Sokka on the wings and Oba up top, which isn't necessarily playing to Oba's strength. Or I keep on saying Oba. Oh, Obama Yang's strengths necessarily. Well, I think uh, he, he's definitely dangerous up top, but um, I think the way Arteta wants to play it, it it's having him making those runs down the wing and allowing things to open up to um, give Tierney opportunities to cross. Cause I think he draws defenders away and gives, gives a tier, Tierney space to run into behind. So I think you had having a, um, a Yang on the wings or on, on the outsides look really plays well with how we're moving the ball down that left flank. Um, so I, I'm not sure. Um, I, I Saka certainly could fill that role. And, and has done um, mm-hmm. in the past on that left side. So it, it, well, it depends on how when much faith he has in Lacazette. Yeah, that's true. Because against Norwich, wasn't uh, wasn't uh, Saka on the left? I, th- I believe he was. I'm trying to pull up the the chalkboard and, for that. And I know recently he's played on the left. He's been flip-flopping on the sides. And... I've really enjoyed the Saka Tierney uh, combination, but actually today's game, seeing Obama Yang and uh, Tierney work together, has been was really enjoyable, especially that first half. So I think whoever's on that side is going to be all right. It's whether Pepe can function on one of those sides in that same role. Like, what do you think? Um. I think we, it's been interesting to see Saka shift around. Um, you know, he seems to be good no matter where he plays. Um, but the, you know, I, it seems like he's the only one that's getting shifted around a lot. I feel like there's very, there's, um, a lot of solidity to where the rest of the teams kind of, um, you know, you've got Jaka and Ceballos playing down the middle. They've been pretty solid there. I really liked what they've brought to the midfield right in the last couple games. Um, Tierney's pretty locked in on that left side. Bellerin, he's he's got some competition. We saw um, Cedric come in. Um, his first game for Arsenal um, was against Norwich, and he comes in late in the game and gets his <laughs> first goal for the team, like almost immediately. Um so there's some competition down that right-hand side. Um, I think with Pepe and Nelson, too, you have some interchange there. Um, and now it looks like Saka can e- play equally well on the right-hand side as the left. So, I mean, 
there's lots of com- competition on the on the wings. It seems like depending on how you want to line people up, but um, everything else seems like every it's it's solidified, which is surprising. Um, you know, with the rotation that we have had, there has been guys that have come in and out, but you're starting to see the back three um, really becoming our our go to formation. Um, and then it just depends on how, how he lines up that, that front three and that kind of dictates who plays, um, on which side really. I mean, that, that seems to be it. I mean, really like the forward line is pretty much the only, I don't know, flexible part of the the formation right now. I, I think our back three is, is pretty set in stone at this point. Yeah. And then you have your kind of two midfielders tucked up in, in in front of them with uh, Sabios and Jaka, which has worked really well. I've been really impressed with both those players over the last three games. And so it's really trying to figure out kind of the forward bands in in this the, the whole situation. And one of the interesting things with the, uh, the back line that I noticed, it was the first two games, not necessarily this last game, but when we were playing the back three, it almost is if uh, Louise is playing like a sweeper role. Like he's he's definitely the central defender that is behind the line and doing the long distributions, which I thought was a very kind of interesting wrinkle. Yeah, I have noticed uh, Mustafi and Kalasinac, you know, pushing up as much as they can. And it does seem like, you know, Ceballos seems to be dropping back deep or Xhaka will drop back deep to kind of have some more coverage in the mid um middle of the field um but then yeah louise does seem to be sweeping up whatever comes behind those two players if they get pushed up too far um so yeah it seems like louise has has freedom to roam left to right so that and then sabias will drop back in to to cover for him in the central part um yeah and i think it's too yeah sorry to interrupt i i I also think it, it highlights what is good about Luis? I know I was definitely been negative about him, but I think his passing ability is is so good from that position that he can lay in some great passes that lead to scoring opportunities from that position. Yeah, I think you know that's that's one of the great things about settling into this back three. It seems like Arteta has found a formation that gets the best out of the personnel that he has whether that's what he ultimately wants to play um long term it will i think he wants technical flexibility um so i don't think it will be the only formation we see um going forward um i think once he gets some other pieces to play with that fit what he wants to do better um we'll see some other formations come out as well but at least for right now with the the players that we have and, and needing to rotate um this seems to suit the most people. Um, and that's, you know, getting the best out of, uh, Louise, um, finding a spot for class and Ash that, you know, I think he's the weak link on the field right now. When I'm watching games, I think like, man, I, we could definitely use an upgrade on that, on that position. Um, but we've got Saliba coming in. I don't know what his, um, preferences with a back three. I think he's played in a uh, back three before. I don't know if that's where he's best suited, but, um, it'll be interesting to see if um, where he slots in on the left or the right or centrally. I think um, I don't think Louise is the long-term um, starter there, but for right now, it's it suits him the best, and I think it, it 
it allows him to use his his best skill, which, like you said, is his passing, which we certainly need as much distribution as possible um, to keep the ball moving. Exactly. Um, and, and you say he's not the, the Luis is not the long term solution, but he's definitely the medium term term solution, I believe. Just the the contract he's on right now and how it's it's shaping up. So, as I, I've said this before and I've heard it before, which is, Luis is good until he isn't, and right now we're seeing the good of Luis. I'm just I'm nervous for his isn't moments. Yeah, I, I think when he makes mistakes, it's because he's put in positions um, that don't sit his suit his playing style. Um, so if you can, I think the same goes with a lot of the players we saw uh, in the first half of the season with with Emery. He wasn't putting players in their best positions. He wasn't. He was playing people um, to what he wanted to try to accomplish. He wasn't like playing to their skill set. He was playing to what he wanted and trying to um, put square pegs in round holes, basically. And it just, it unsettles the whole team when we have too many people in that, in that um, uncomfortable position. So now that Arteta's come in, he's looked at what he has and, and found a way to slot people in where they feel comfortable and where they can grow and flourish instead of like, um, you know, trying to force them into um, bad, bad positions. You know, I think we saw so many times, um, forcing them to play out of the back in, in, a, in a way that didn't really work well. Now you've, it, it, I can't believe that's, that happened this season. I mean, we play out of the back consistently um, and look very comfortable passing around the back. But at the beginning of this, this season, I mean, they would pass back to the goalkeeper and you'd be concerned that, that it was going to be a turnover and a goal. I mean, there were so many times that Mustafi, Louise were put in horrible positions and just made a mess of it. And now I can't, it, it, like you look at the, the back three now and it's just a completely different team. What is the difference you think? Cause both Wenger and uh, uh, Emery tried to do the back three. And as I remember, they were all abject failures when they tried to force it. It is largely the same players. What is the difference? Do you think between that and now? Um, I think, uh, it, it comes down to positional discipline and actually um, kind of just setting expectations and having players meet them consistently. Um, with the problem that we kept running into trying to pass out of the back was uh, players not tracking back and, and showing up for those players to pass to, or, you know, just miscommunication in the back and not understanding every time what needs to happen, where players need to shift to for coverage, where players need to step into to create zones for players to pass into. Um, everybody seems to be on the same page now and understanding what needs to happen every single time when you're playing out of the back. And and just having players with their heads up, knowing where they need to be and where they need to be going. And that's going to continue to get better and better. I don't even think we're at that level where there's... Um, uh, that fluidity, that fluidity that comes with um, knowing where a player is going to be, not where he is, um, just that anticipation level and kind of um, we saw a lot of that with how Arsenal really the 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 flow of Arsenal really comes from passing into space and knowing that there's going to be a guy there um, and 
that's what we have to get back to. We started to see some of that free-flowing Arsenal a little bit in the last few games, but a lot of like what moving the ball from front to back quickly comes from just knowing where players are, are supposed to be and having them actually be there. And I think that was that was something that there's just no discipline on this team with with Emery in the first half of the season. There was there weren't even like making runs. They weren't getting into spaces where people could pass. It was just it looked it was shambles. It was awful to watch. But no, I don't I'm not seeing that now. And that's something that that's interesting is I remember, I believe it was last episode or the episode before, you were a little weary or wary of the style of play that Arsenal was playing. That you you'd said that like you didn't feel it was the Arsenal that you had fallen in love with. Are you feeling better about that now, seeing the last three games? Uh, absolutely. I think like as as we've started to win and build build some confidence, you can see the players buying into it. And I think this is what Arteta has been preaching all along: is that there is a way that Arsenal does things. I'm going to set the standard. I'm going to tell you what I expect, and that's both on and off the field. And we've seen that with Genduzi, um, and and maybe to Ozil uh, with Ozil to some extent. But there's a way that you need to behave on and off the field. There's expectations on how you how, how hard you work on the field, how hard you play in every game, and um, I think that comes down to just making those runs to putting pressure on the team, the entire game, like always playing defense, always working to get the ball back. That was definitely something that we were missing and it's slowly come around, come back around and you're starting to see the free flowing soccer. Like I said, it's just, it's, um, it really comes from players working hard and causing those turnovers and forcing teams to be back on their heels. And I think that, quick pace is what we we were really looking for. And now that the players are starting to get more comfortable with how things are going, you're starting to see the speed of the game come back a little bit too. And, and the, the passing is a little crisper and there's just, um, just more effort across the board. It's really, it's fun to see. It's fun to see these guys really working hard and, and Arteta heaps praise on these guys for, um, you know, Ceballos, I think he, he keeps talking about how he's made such leaps, like um, both on on both sides of the ball, really. You, you see him working his ass off the whole game. Um, like Ceballos looked gassed <laughs> when he got taken off today. Um, yeah. He was running hard. So I think that's the level that he's trying to get everybody to. And um, for players that aren't getting there... Um, I, I think their days are numbered. I think he's going to go out and find find replacements, find people who are willing to run hard the whole game, or you know keep keep their attitudes in check all the time. Like it can't be sometimes if you're an Arsenal player all the time. Yeah, and I think you see that uh, intensity in the those couple of goals that we got from keeper mistakes. It wasn't just that the keeper was being silly and made a bad mistake it was also the pressure that the arsenal players are putting on the keeper which is that extra run that like 99 percent of the time doesn't work and i know when i've played and the very few times i played forward making those runs just feels futile but if you keep on doing it eventually you're going to make a mistake and it's those marginal gains and i think that's some of the difference we're seeing yeah i think you you have to understand as a player 
that you're going to make those runs 10, 20 times a game and you're only going to score one or two goals, but they only happen because you kept running, you kept doing it and you kept putting that def- defense on uh, under pressure so that by the time they're, you're making that, you know, 15th run, they're, they, they're mentally exhausted from all those other runs you made. And so now they made that half step of a, of a mistake and you've got that, the breakaway. I think those are the, the little things that Arteta's really um, brought into this team to like make them realize that hard work actually pays off. And as you see people buy into that, um, the, the game's going to get easier for them. I think as, as they realize that the hard work does, does open the game up for them. Um, you know, if those, those little things do add up and make it easier to do some other things. Yeah. And well, let's kind of move on to today's game more specifically. And a question we got from both Justin Woody and Tom Barrett, or kind of a discussion, was about the uh, Vardy goal. Do you think that was offsides? Uh, yeah. Um, that's that's a really tough one. I've watched it a few times, and the the really, the offside piece. Um, I think he was from that image. He was. Um it's really difficult to tell from the image that's been going around. But I think as you look at the other angles, he was held onside. I think the only question was, um, whether, uh, I'm trying to think of, was it Diaz? I'm trying to think of the guy's name who the other, the other, um, Lester player who was involved in the play, he kind of lifted his foot and, and replay they determined was that the ball bounced under his foot and he didn't make contact to reset the, um, the line there. Um, but you know, it was in, you know, not even inches. It was, it was was so close. I think the naked eye, it would be very difficult to tell. And even with the angle that they had on VAR, it was really difficult to tell. So, um, I don't think it was so egregious that we should be really, um, sore about it. It was, it was it was it wasn't like he was drastically offside if at all i i don't know that you could really feel too aggrieved by it yeah and it's it's kind of one of my things that i hate about var which is that in real time when i was watching it i had no complaints about i mean i had lots of complaints about the goal but no complaints that it was an unfair goal uh i think you rewatch something over and over on high speed and then like you can try and pick it apart do i think it actually hit his foot Uh, after watching the replay yeah i kind of do think it hit his foot i think vardy was onside that that part was pretty easy to me um but do i think it hit the other lester player's foot yeah if i had a gun to me and i had three choices of whether it hit his foot it didn't his foot or you're not sure and if i answered wrong i'd be shot i would say i'm not sure and that's the type of decision that it's like, all right, whatever looks right on the field during the run of play is probably the correct decision. Yeah. I think when you don't have a decisive camera angle, um, you should just default back to whatever your initial gut reaction was to it in real time. Um, Cause you can pick these things apart and until we have cameras, every, every little, you know, until you can see daylight between the foot and the ball from that perfect angle, you know, I, you can't really say for sure. Exactly. And I, I think that these, these replays, 
get shown over and over to a point where you almost convince yourself. It's like it's it's like Enkedia's red card. Let's get into it. Which yeah, that was a red card, but I think it's one of those things too that looks worse and worse the more you look into it. Yeah, well, it's frustrating because you know we see so many um, violent plays that don't get looked at at all. Um, this one got scrutinized to the point of a ref actually going over and looking at the monitor, which is I was so excited of. about that. Yeah, um, it was. Yeah, it was like seeing a unicorn. It was. It was amazing. Um, I. I don't know how that why why that particular play necessitated that and so many other violent plays don't get a second look like the Vardy cleat to Mustafi's face um or you know right at the half that didn't get looked at at all and I, I maybe it's because players had left their feet so it's, it's deemed more accidental at that point but I, I think they had to rewind and look at any intent because um you know this this got brought up by um, Tom Barrett and Florian Barca, you know, they, it, it, it's, is it an accident? Is it an accident? Is it dangerous play? I think that's the question that has to be brought up with all of these things. Um, and Kedia's, uh, red card was certainly dangerous play. Um, but there's plenty of other dangerous play that doesn't get that much scrutiny and probably should. So I think it's always down to consistency. Uh, we didn't, you know, we didn't see, um, well, we never see really, uh, consistency on all these calls, but you have some that go for you and some against you. I don't know if Arsenal have bad luck or if it's just because we are always watching Arsenal. So it just feels like that, but, um, yeah, it's, it's tough. Well, it's, it's, it's getting back to that Vardy, uh, uh, cleat to the face. It's, it's so hard to legislate intent. You know what I mean? It's not like the ref right. can go look in someone's head and go like, did he mean to clean him? Was he trying to injure? Intent is one of the most difficult things to prove, especially in a sport. Did in Kennedy in Kedia mean to uh, cleat the guy's leg for his red card? I'm sure 100% no. We all know what he was trying to do. He's just running out of the ball. He thought he could get it. If he could have gotten it, he would have gotten the second goal, no doubt. And it just it was a badly timed challenge. And it was dangerous play, and I have no problem with that red card. But then the same, the announcers today were horrible, and I know I texted you that during the game. Yeah. But uh, the uh, announcers were just so willing to let the Vardy cleat to the face go. That was dangerous play that hurt a player. He kicked someone in the face. Did he intend to do it? No, but neither did in Kennedy and Kedia intend to. Uh, to cleat the guy on the leg, but you have this weird thing that people think seem to think that's okay if the person didn't intend to, and then then it's okay. And then you get into this whole idea of that there's players that are bad players and players that are good players. It's it it gets me with uh Son on uh Tottenham, who like when he destroyed someone's leg uh earlier this season and he got that uh red card, direct red card. Everyone was talking about, oh, he's not that type of player. But I watched the Tottenham game. Uh, was that yesterday or today? The days blend together. But I watched the latest Tottenham game, and Son was totally a jerk during that game. That like, I don't know. Like, I think you have to stop thinking about intention, and that if Inkedia cleaned someone in the leg, 
unintentionally, but cleaning him was dangerous play. So was uh, Vardy cleaning a player in the face. That's also dangerous play. Yeah, and I think that um, you know they've been kind of moving away from the intention angle when it comes to handballs. It's just now it's you know less less about the motion of of a player towards a ball with their arm or hand, um, and and just if, if it hits if it hits a player in the arm or hand, it's it should just be a, a handball. Um, I think that's the kind of um, kind of black and white look you have to shift over to the. Um, dangerous fouls as well and just say you know is this dangerous yes or no nobody's trying to do stuff um or maybe some people are but you have to kind of strip away who is and who isn't and just say okay this put a player in danger this is worthy of a yellow card any day doesn't matter who's doing it doesn't matter what the context of the game is this needs to be a yellow card every single time and get to that that sort of consistency. I don't know how that's possible because every every referee brings in their own opinions of players that they've worked with and seen do other things. You can't just leave that at the door. But um, you know, as you bring in VAR and more camera angles and more things like that, I think we're trying to eliminate the referee bias or whatever it is by bringing more eyes to it. But we're only pushing further and further away from having a referee being the um, kind of the the truth or you know the um main man when it comes to controlling games because you've you're already taken the, the control away from him by having outside opinions um in 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 a booth off the field um and i think as we get more detailed in what var can do and 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 try to eliminate some of the bias things that come come about um the refs are going to have less and less control um, over games. And so hopefully we'll see less of that and more consistency, but you know, this VAR thing is still really new. Um, they have a long ways to go to get to that point. Well, and not to go into a complete referee shit fest, cause we could probably spend a whole episode on itself, uh, talking about <laughs> referees, but there was another thing, another ref decision that kind of stuck on my craw a little, which is it was, uh, later in the game. And I forget the, uh, the Lester player, that he came in on David Luis and in real time, you saw him fall to the ground and start grabbing his face. And they actually stopped for a quick VAR. It was a very quick VAR. They saw instantly that Luis hadn't touched the player at all in the face, but the guy was grabbing his face and rolling around. And if you're going to go to the trouble of VARing for that, why not give that Leicester player a yellow card for simulation? Because it was obvious that he didn't get touched in the face. There's clear daylight. And I, I just don't get that. Do they even do simulation? I don't. I can't remember if I've ever seen a, a simulation card, or at least not one recently. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if it's one of like. That's the other thing about VAR. A, it's different between different leagues, so it gets a little bit confusing if you follow multiple leagues. Right. And then also, I just completely forget what's reviewable and not because it's just it's so confusing. Yeah, and I think simulation gets more played up in MLS, and I think that's due to the um, there being a lot more Central and South American players who tend to elab- be very elaborate with their reactions. <laughs> so I think that's um, that's more prevalent in MLS. Um, but yeah, I think that it, if you're going to look at a play, you should be looking at everybody 
involved in that play, both both sides, and and make sure that you're you're making fair calls in that department as well. Exactly. That's a, the the thing that I just dislike about VAR is it seems to kind of focus on very specific one side and not the other. Like, and and another thing I dislike about VAR is you very rarely see a goal that's been blown off or offsides given, whereas they take away the goals all the time. Right. And and that just kind of is it's just annoying. I, yeah, I mean, we don't have to go down this route. We everybody's talking. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think that that re- that Nketiah red card really changed the game today. Um, and you know, with all the run with the run of difficult games, it that it's a bigger blow because uh, he's not going to be available for um, for the Tottenham game. Um, but it also, you know, I think Ceballos was so gassed, and a lot of the players were running extra hard and trying to stay in, in that game. Um, and I think it was a little deflating to be down to 10 men and um, get that uh, tying goal by Vardy. It, you know, it wasn't, it just wasn't their day today. It, it seemed to fall apart um, in the second half for as bright as the first half was. Uh, it just didn't look like that was, um, you know, I, I had more hope that they could find another goal. And I think that um, Arteta set him up, you know, he wasn't making complete defensive chain wholesale changes to try to um see out a draw or you know i think he from even when they were down or when they were up a goal he was still trying to go get another one and i think that was um positive from arsenal just to feel like they were um in it even when they had 10 men and the, the and went and uh <laughs> lester drew even gosh lost yeah. their the team name there um yeah so it was it was it was nice to feel like arsenal were still in it um i've seen so many games where they've just kind of crumbled in in that red card situation um even you know with the recent uh, louise meltdowns and that sort of thing they just look fragile when they go down to 10 men and i didn't feel like that as much today so already positive signs from that situation as well exactly i think this was a game that maybe 4 months ago we lose because let's let's be honest. As soon as we went down to ten men, Lester was pressing hard, and I was nervous. And the last like maybe ten fifteen minutes, we were under pressure the whole time. But I think we held up pretty well. We had a couple half chances. Uh, I think that's a, a positive. I think the disappointing thing is, and we've seen it in a couple games and it hasn't punished us like it, well i guess it did punish us in the uh, the brighton game which is that we don't take the opportunity when we're ahead in the game and just pressing really hard to really finish off the game we did that against norwich which i really i like but in other games it seems like we go we get we own the game we look so good and then it's just like getting that finishing final cut is the hardest part yeah, and I think that, you know, that's the next phase. That's the when that comfort level comes, then you can go out and start feeling confident and then you can the next level beyond that is getting to that cutthroat level where you you don't just stay in games. You go out and and take it to any team you're playing against. And I feel like that level of confidence comes when you can start um building up wins against um 
with Wolves, with, you know, even a draw against Leicester, a team who's in uh, the top four, you know, that's, that should be seen as positive. If you take the out of the context of how the game went, you know, that is an improvement. That's, um, it's a solid performance. Uh, I'd like to have won that, but a draw is not a bad thing to take away from that, that sort of situation. Um, and I think they should still feel confident going into Tottenham. Um, you know, there's quite the run of games coming up. Um, even still we have, uh, Tottenham, Liverpool, Manchester city, Austin Villa and Watford ahead of us, but that Tottenham, Liverpool, Man City uh, run, um, it, you know, I, I I hope that the the last three games have given them the confidence to really take it to those teams and feel like they can stay with them. Uh, that's uh, I think we have to get those sorts of big wins to really feel like we can dominate games fully and get that level of confidence. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, th- this next week is going to be insane because it is a week of games. It's like, what? So Tottenham's on the 12th, and the Man City game, which is the last of that run, is on the 18th. That's a, just an insane fixture list. And with Enkedia being out and the injuries that we have, it's it's going to be interesting to see how we rotate. And some of these younger players are going to get significant minutes in big games. And it's going to be very interesting to see how they react to it. Um, yeah, the Tottenham game is going to be very interesting. I've watched the last two of their games because they've been on TV. And they haven't looked great, but it's the Derby. Mourinho seems to be able to get into the shithousery. So I'm, I'm, I have no <laughs> doubt that they're going to be up for it this Saturday. Yeah, it'll be, I mean, the one, um, yeah, I I don't know how you, how, it'll be interesting to see what Arsenal shows up. I think um, they're going to be up for it. They're going to, they should feel confident uh, the way they've been playing. Um, So I think it's going to be a fantastic match and, and maybe one of the better, hopefully one of the better games we've seen between these two teams in the last few years. Yeah, for me, it's kind of interesting because I've come into this second part of the season, which is, is been a weird thing anyways. And I'm I, my expectations have been pretty low about getting into Europe. I mean, it's been pretty low since about a third of the way into the season. And so that's not so much my worry as I really just want to beat Tottenham. Like, <laughs> that yeah. if, if we can go through the rest of this period and beat Tottenham, I think, and that's the only thing we get out of it and get to have some minutes with some of the younger players. I think I'd be okay with it. I think in the, in the run of games that we have ahead of us, I would like to beat Tottenham. I will just take a loss at, at Liverpool, but you know, draw would be nice, but you know, I've written that one off. We'll, we'll say that's a loss man city. I want to win. I want to keep going. I want I want a redemption game. I want to keep going in the FA Cup. So that one I want to win. Austin Villa, Watford, those are must-win games as you're seeing out the season because there's other big teams that are playing each other in that last week. So you have to take every point um, you can get in those last couple games because the big the bigger teams are going to be playing each other. So hopefully, if things if the if things continue to be positive, if we can take you know twelve to fifteen points. Or well, not fifteen. I, 
you know, 12 points, that would be amazing. We have a really good shot at, at getting into Europe. If we take anything less than 12 points, it, it's kind of out of our hands. I, the other guys really have to drop, start dropping lots of points, and I don't know if that's going to happen. So we have to take every every bit of, of this as we can. And uh, hopefully, um, yeah, I mean, that's it, it's going to be tough to beat Liverpool. So I, I think the best we can hope for is a nine-point run, and that, that starts with beating Tottenham. So I, I'm really hopeful that we can take it to them this week. And to be honest, like when we were looking at these fixtures earlier, and we were looking at the uh, Wolves game, Wolves, Leicester, Tottenham, and Liverpool. If you would have told me we would have gotten four points out of the Wolves and the and uh, uh, Leicester game, I would have been over the moon coming into it. I didn't. I thought one of those games for sure would be a loss, and to get those results is, is is feeling pretty good on an objective. It would be nice to get out of the Tottenham and Liverpool game, at least one win out of either of those two games. Obviously there's one weighted that I would like much more than the other. Um, I don't, I'm not going to kid myself that I think we're going to get full points or even four points out of those next two games. Well, Man City is a, uh, uh win or go home with the FA cup. So that, you know, that's, I, I don't know where, where you put your, I think, I think there will be some priority to, to continuing in the FA cup because it is an Avenue to Europe. But um, I think you, you have to try to win on all fronts at this point. Any, any points, any points, any continuation in the FA cup, you got to try to take them all at this point. If you want any, any shot at Europe. And and for me to be honest, if because we have to rest players, I, I mean this is just the situation we're in right now, with three games in a week, you have to just straight up rest players, and I would think that we are going to rest players in the Liverpool game. That's the the game that I think has the least amount of importance because the Tottenham game is definitely a six pointer, and it's also a pride game, and I think we have to just start as much of the starting 11 as feels fit to do. Well, it was the Liverpool in, game. Sorry. Oh, I was going to say with Enkedia out um, with the red card suspension, so he'll miss Tottenham. I think he's a, a for sure starter on that at Liverpool game since Lacazette will have been, have played a run of games there. Um, and then you, you probably try to play Lacazette um, in the Man City game. Yeah. Eh, I mean, I'd, I'm not in love with that idea just because I don't think he'll score. But I don't yeah, know. Yeah, we, we'll probably get we'll get to that more. We'll we'll know more as we get closer to that game. Yes. Um, well, let's let's take a quick break there, and then we're, when we come back, everybody's favorite game uh, start bench drop is going to be right around the corner here. <sighs> All right, welcome back, and let's get right into start bench drop. So, Tim, are you ready? I'm just going to go um, real quick through these, and then we can circle back um, and, and talk more in depth, if that sounds good to you. It's a one-word answer. Yeah, start bench or drop them, and then we'll, we'll come back uh, and talk talk about 
why. So, um, start, bench, or drop, Danny Ceballos. Start. All right. Uh, Emmy Martinez. This is hard. Bench still. Okay. Uh, Granite Jaka. Start. Um, Cedric Suarez. Bench. All right. Um, Mustafi. Begrudgingly start. <laughs> uh, Eddie and Kedia. Bench. And then the back three. And not in the individuals, but the formation. Start. All right. So let, let's circle back here. Um, and we can talk about Danny Ceballos and Granite Jaka if you'd like, or we can separate mm-hmm. them. But um, I think let's we've, we've had positive, positive feelings on those guys. So what's your, are you benching, start bench or drop for both of them? What's your, your take on it? Um, I think Ceballos has played out of his mind. I would start, certainly he's a must start, uh, especially lately. He's been playing so well on both sides of the ball. Um, so he's a start for me. I think Jaka, I think it's, he's proven to be essential to this team and he did score recently, which is really unheard of. Um, making a run from the midfield uh, was was so unusual. Yeah. Um, but um, you know, he doesn't do anything super flashy. He just makes the team work. Um, so I think he's, he's also a must start, but maybe, um, you know, I, I, if there's an area of the field, I think Arsenal could improve on still as far as personnel. I think it's that central midfield. Um, we've seen Torreira start to come back in, um, in the last couple games. So, uh, it'll be interesting to see if he, uh, applies any, pressure to either one of those guys as far as um taking away minutes from Zabios or, or Xhaka but um I think at, at this moment the preferred starting lineup includes both of those players both Xhaka and Zabios so and, and we've been doing well with them so I think they're both starts at the moment and Torreira can continue to knock on the door and put some pressure on them I think that's a good thing yeah, I mean, like competition for spots is always a good thing, and I think it always makes a team better. So to have three players competing for two spots is a, almost like the perfect level of competition to players because all the players are going to be happy because they're all going to be getting minutes, but it still is that like on the game day, who's going to be starting. I think with specifically Jaka more than Ceballos is what a difference a coach makes, isn't it? we were ready to just kick him out of the door. And and I think the whole issues we had with Xhaka was being put into a system that just wasn't working at general. When, when you're, we know this from our work life that when you're put in a position of, of where you're not comfortable, you're just going to fail and feel very bad about it. But when you're put into positions to succeed, you're going to do well. And so that's one of the things that I'm so happy with for Sabayas or not Sabayas for Jaka is that he's kind of gotten this redemptive way back into the team. Yeah. It's nice to see, um, you know, it, it certainly was something we, we thought we'd have to replace him. He was, he was 
looking at other options and uh, to have him come back and be such an essential piece in um, in this Arsenal lineup. I, I, I agree. It's nice to have that redemption arc in, in, a, in one season. I mean, he's seen it all this year. And just briefly on Tobias, would you re-sign him? Would you extend his contract or actually give him a contract because technically he's Madrid right now? Um, I would keep, I would keep him just because I think it would be difficult to replace him, and I think with he could either get a loan, uh, an extended loan for a year, or you know, I the the rumor is that he's not well rated at um, Madrid, so I think if Zidane doesn't doesn't care for him and isn't going to play him, it would be beneficial for him to stay at, at Arsenal. Um, and if, if, if he's not going to get played, um, at Madrid, then he needs to find playing time. I think, um, Madrid's going to be happy to get him off his, off their books for another season or just permanently. So I think they would do what it took to, to get him an extended deal one way or another. So I, yeah. I would do it just because of the convenience and we know that he, he'll, he'll do the work. I, he's, he's looked great and I think he could only stand to get better in this system. Yeah, I think an extended loan would serve all parties at this point. Because I'm, I'm pretty sure that Ceballos, if he had his druthers, would want to go to somewhere else in Spain. But to be holding down a starting spot in Arsenal is not a bad second option. Right. <laughs> and I, from what I understand, Zidane just doesn't rate him at all. Um, Let's move on to Emmy Martinez, who's been playing pretty lights out uh, to, you know, several, several clean sheets in his run of games here. Um, but if, if you had Leno back today, who would you start? I don't know if you noticed, I took a long pause when I went to his name, when we did start, start bench or drop. And I really like what I've been seeing of Marte Martinez. And I think the only reason I hesitate is that I want to see a f- larger run of games right now we we know what we get with leno and i like what we get with leno i i I really do think martinez's uh ball distribution is better than leno's i think he's a bigger presence i'm trying to just divorce the uh the idea that he's new and shiny you know, because we've we haven't really seen him. I think we've he's only played in ten Premier League games in his entire career at Arsenal, which has been a long career, right? Um, and so I don't know if it's just that he's bright and shiny and everything's going good. So I'm that I have some biases that way, but I am really liking what I see. But Leno has proven over a long period that he's been a consistent goalkeeper. So I'm not ready to just drop him out of. Out of the blue, I w- it was the thing I was the most worried when I saw that Leno got the the injury that that was going to just derail the rest of the season. It's nice to know that we have someone that's a safe pair of hands. Uh, I think I'm going to revisit this question after we play these next three games, which are going to be some very interesting things. What about you? Yeah, I, he hasn't made any mistakes that I've seen that are like, you know... I have never once wondered what the heck he was doing. I think he's gotten himself into good positions. Um, the goal today, I wasn't, 
I don't think he was to blame at all. So, you know, it's, he, he has performed admirably and I, I would have a tough time deciding who to start, I think. Cause I think it, it, we didn't see enough of Leno after the break to really know if he would be performing as well in the same system. Um, I would imagine he would be, he hasn't done wrong. He's been our best player, uh, the rest of the season. So, um, he could perform equally as well in this system, I think. But um, yeah, it, it's going to be a tough choice when they both come back, assuming Martinez continues to perform as he has. Um, so next next season will be interesting if he's if he sees the season out and um, it, it, you know maybe he's an asset that Arsenal could move along to pay for some other things. Yeah, it's one one of them can be uh, an asset, which is always nice to. Uh, to have um it's also nice to have competition in all spots um whether martinez would be happy as our cup keeper is probably not not true and so we'll have i and i don't know his contract situation i don't know how long we have him left but i imagine he's going to want to either be starting next season or want to move on yeah, I, I think after you get a taste, it's going to be hard to hard to want to go back to the bench. Um, but we'll see how it all plays out. That'll be interesting. Um, moving on to another uh, position uh, of competition here is that right back position um, or the right wing back position as it is has been lately. Um, we've seen a lot of Bellerin, but we also got a, our first our first taste of Cedric Suarez as well. And like I said, he scored pretty instantaneously coming onto the field. So um, I have, I have Cedric Suarez on the start bench drop list. And I, I'm, I'm, I think I remember you saying that was a bench, right? Correct. So is that, is that saying that Bellerin's doing a sufficient enough job for you, or you just haven't seen enough of him to, to say one way or the other? That's, that's more of the case is that I'm, I, I want to see more of Cedric before I'm, I'm a hundred percent convinced because like we haven't seen enough minutes. And on the other side of the coin, I don't I I think Bellerin has been getting a lot of undue criticism. I don't think he's been playing as badly as people have been making out. I think a lot of it is that he has we have a high expectation for him and he hasn't met these expectations that he was the pre-injury and that, but I think in these last uh, since the restart, I don't think he's played horribly. I think there's room for improvement, and I think again having competition is going to be good. Um, but I'm not going to just wholesale replace him on the result of what was it like a 20 minute spell that he had? Like, yeah, that's there's there's still time. Yeah, I think Bellerin's actually been playing better every game. Um, he's had solid, solid run of games. He looks like he's getting a little bit faster, a little bit more sharp with his passing. He's making good runs. Um, so I, I, I don't think he's done enough to lose his spot. There will certainly be the rotation and it's good to know that Suarez brings something to the table. Um, but yeah, I think we need to see more of what he can do, um, for 90 minutes or, you know, a, a full, full run out before we can really say that he's the next starting right back. Um, exactly. Oh, go for it. 
Well, I was just going to say that, again, that just competition for spaces isn't bad, that you have two players fighting for position. And the other thing is we're going to have injuries going forward. I mean, especially Arsenal, we're going to have injuries going forward. And to have two replacement level players or just two very even players fighting for a spot just means that we're just a better team overall. The The key thing is going to be keeping these players happy. Yeah, the other player we're all, that, that we're also seeing rotated in there is Maitland-Niles, who's getting some more minutes as well um, since the restart. So um, anyone's guess who's going to play, I think the, the, the rotation and the, um, the opportunity to compete for a starting spot is going to push all those players to be a little bit better. So um, it'll be interesting to see if Bellerin falters or, you know, if one of these other guys steps up and makes a case for that starting spot. Um, but let's let's move on real quick here to Mustafi, who took a nasty blow to the face from Vardy's foot today. Um, I think it, by the end of his, his game, he literally looked like he had holes in his face. Um, so, you know, he's been playing fairly steady. I think you said begrudgingly you'd start him. Um, so are you, are you still feeling like he's... Um, you know, begrudgingly worth your, uh, your admiration or what, what's your, what's your thoughts on him right now? Well, the begrudgingly starting is that I don't think we have a lot of better options right now. And I do. And and this, like, I, if I was staring him in the face, I'd feel bad saying this, which is because he's played very admirably these last few games. I mean, especially basically since Arteta has come on, he's played good great i don't know but good and consistent and i just i i I think we can do it's a spot that i think we can do better and it's a spot that i hopefully we have better players coming in with sabalos or sabalos with uh oh god what is his name coming from saint antian oh saliba Uh, saliba saliba coming in and it, it's something that they, they talked about at the art, on the Ars blog, which I really appreciate, which is that I think this is the perfect time to sell Mustafi. That yeah, I think he, his values probably climb back up, so that wouldn't wouldn't be a bad idea. His values climb back up. He's now desirable. I think it would be a good like. I think he would leave, and the the fans would give him a, an ovation if they were in the stands. I think there'd be no hard feelings felt on either side. I think it's just like. You know, sometimes you have to just move on in life, and I think it would be a good time. So that's why I say begrudgingly, which is I think the next couple weeks until the end of this season, he's a starter. Because, I mean, who else do we have? Like, we have Socrates, which doesn't seem to fit into Arteta's plans at all. Uh, We have, uh, God, why am I forgetting his name right now? Chambers which he's young and hopefully will develop more. And so I just don't feel we have a lot of other options. We haven't seen a lot of Rob holding since we switched to the back three, but I think he can, he can probably fill a role in there as well. I think he, he, he could still be um, a viable option there in in, in place of Mustafi, but I don't know if he's quite, quite at Mustafi's level at the moment. I think um, Mustafi's actually been playing better. Yeah, so you wouldn't start holding above Mustafi right now? 
Not at the moment. I, I mean, if we had to move Mustafi on, I would be okay if if Holding was one of those players that picked up that role. But I think as 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 our lineup is right now, um, Mustafi's the better option. But I think Agreed. Holding's been great. I mean, he had a lights out game not too long ago, so I think he's totally solid and can can definitely fill in a, a role in that back line. But um, be interesting to see what the Somebody's probably going to go. It's just a matter of who, who's got the most interest from other teams. Um, okay, and Kedia, we we talked about him a bit with his red card. Um, do you feel like that's you know? Did you get all you need to get get out about him today? Or you know, I think that red card that doesn't speak to his character at all. So. How how do you feel about that play overall? Do you blame do you blame the kid or is it just one of those things? It's one of those things. I actually don't blame him at all. I think I actually enjoyed that he wanted to. He, it was enthusiasm that got him the red card, and it was probably over enthusiasm, and <laughs> that is unfortunate. But he's also a young kid. That's this is how you learn these things. If he's getting those types of red cards frequently it'd be a worry but you know we all get our red cards we all get excited about something uh so but i i still put him on bench because despite my dislike of uh lacazette he he still seems like a better option off the bench than he does starting and i think we saw that uh, i forget which game he started was that the wolves game that he started um, I'm trying to think it was the, one of the, the games all blend together. Uh, Not really? But, uh, when he got, he got a start, he looked good, but I, I love him coming off the bench. And with that enthusiasm, it allows him to be just, you know, more active. So I still, and, and, you know, he's young, like maybe in a year, he's not going to be benched. He's going to be an automatic start. But for right now, I think he's definitely a bench. How about you? Yeah, I think I, I would start him actually. I I think he his his energy more fits in with what um Arteta's trying to do and because he can really put pressure on other teams, um he he can be a good bench option. So I think um he Lacazette's actually benefiting from the forced rotation. Um I think and Kedia just has the energy to to continue to press players throughout the game, whereas Lacazette just doesn't doesn't have that in his um, repertoire to to put that much pressure on on teams, and and also track back and play defense and just be involved as much. Um, so I like that from Kedia, and I, I I think I would start him above Lacazette right now, um, even though there has been signs of improvement from Lacazette with his his goal. Uh, against wolves um there's just too many missed opportunities today and uh, i i i think he and Kedia will be missed in the in the tottenham game i think he he would have he's just whether he starts or comes off the bench he's uh in a, an important piece to to making arteta's system work in in as far as just bringing energy I agree with that, that it, whether he started or would have started a bit on the bench for Tottenham, he would have played a role. And it's it's just unfortunate. And there, I mean, there's we, we talked about it a little bit earlier. Uh, 
I just, I don't know what to do with that. Well, one last thing on the uh, start bench drop list here, and that's the back three. I think we've, we've talked, talked a bit about it this, this episode and it's been um, really the, the go-to formation, whether that's, um, you know, it seems like the, the front the, or the midfield and the front lines have kind of switched around a little bit, but the consistence, uh, excuse me, the consistent formation has included a back three with, with wingbacks. Um, so what, how, how have you felt about that? I mean, I'm loving it right now. And it was, it was really fun. I mean, when you watched it against Norwich, which is just, I mean, it's not, it's more a practice game when that game than it is like a real test of it. But it was, it was really fun to see how it shifted and how it changed. And when we were in possession, it was more like a one by, like I have the notes down, but it was, it was basically you had uh, Louise just as being the final back line. You had your two uh, other central defenders playing up a little bit higher and then just everyone else attacking. And it was just, it was, it was so fun to see. And then when you go back, it's why we got those clean sheets, I believe, is you see the uh, players going back and you have five back and it allows, I think it brings out the best in Tyranny and Sokka. So I'm very excited. And the the last half of the uh, Leicester game, I think we kind of switched away a little bit from the three back and that's when we had our least attractive and least enjoyable half yeah i think that they're they look really good with overlapping runs with the um ability of of the outside or the um yeah the outside attackers being able to tuck in a little bit more and still have a lot of width on the field i think having tyranny and Bellerin really um staying out wide and um you know, even get, allowing Kalasinac and and Mustafi to push up, and just you just have so many more passing options when everybody's able to push up the field, and and it also you know, having that defensive fortitude to really allow, allow these players to go up and feel comfortable and not feel like they're at any moment going to have to sprint back and and cover a counterattack. I think the control of the game has been evident. Um, and that really makes a huge difference just in causing turnovers and keeping pressure on teams um, that playing from the front foot and, and de- defending through the offense is really refreshing and fun to watch. Yeah, and I know we're going a little bit over what we like to do, but I think it was something you brought up that I, I really like too, which is the idea of having flexibility in formation, which is something that we haven't had for a while. And so I hope that the, the back three is a, a weapon that we can use, but that we can go through several different formations to adjust to whatever Arteta wants to do during the game. Yeah. And I think we've talked about the idea of like not really sticking to formations, but having these players that just kind of play in areas of the field. Like you just kind of know what Tierney is going to do, uh, whether that's in a back four or in a, um, as, as a wing back, you know, he's going to be bombing up and down that side. Bellerin, the same thing. It just kind of depends on how, how the midfielder and, and, and the, um, attacker in front of him or in front of those players, how those players are, are moving inside 
into the inside channels or moving to the outside channels. So, you know, how much width is provided may, may just depend on um, whether we play with a back three or back four. But I think either way, you're going to see similar um, patterns emerge. And it is kind of just, it's minor tweaks here and there and trying to get the best out of the tactical matchups um, that we're facing. You know, I think that it's, it's always going to be a game of matching up with what the other team's doing and actually trying to outmaneuver them. And that's, that in itself is such a fun idea. We just haven't really had a coach. Um, Emery wasn't that guy. Um, Wenger kind of would just throw out his team and say, come, come play my best players. And, And that, um, even when he switched to a back three, it was kind of out of desperation to try to get more out of the team that he had, but it wasn't like he was, um, trying to outmaneuver other teams. He was just kind of throwing out all his guns and seeing what, if he could get the goals that, that would get us through that game. And it's completely different under Arteta and really refreshing and fun. And I, I'm enjoying what I'm seeing. Definitely. Well, I think that's it for us. We got to stop talking. We've crammed three games into one and this is what we get. Uh, <laughs> an extra long episode for our 20th episode. It's, we didn't really talk about that, but we've reached episode 20. That's, it feels monumental after all we've gone through this season. Um, and somehow in, in 20 episodes, it's felt like a full season, even though we, we didn't start this podcast until November. So <laughs> we didn't even start at the beginning of the season, but man, it's, it's been a, a long haul. Um, but we're glad to, that you've joined us for um, this great run of, of 20 episodes. Um, we'd like to thank a few people. Uh, first of all, Bob Gat for our new th- new theme song that we, we got just last episode. Um, let us know what, the, what you think about it. It's our first real theme song, so it's kind of awesome, and we're pretty excited about it, but let us know what you think. Um, you can check out their music, Bobcat at B-O-B-C dot A-T. That's Bobcat spelled out, but you know, you got a dot in there, so don't forget that. Such a clever clever it's uh, super clever and it gets you to their Bandcamp page and you can check out their instagram facebook and all that stuff there um and get their most recent album which is no, no course to follow um so thank you to them uh thank you to vs for still letting us use a little bit of their music while we get some other stuff sorted out but you know thank you to them as well um and, but most of all we would like to thank you for listening like i said 20 episodes it feels so monumental even though it's, we've got a long way to go to catch up some of to some of those other arsenal podcasts out there but we're having a fun time i hope you are too um if you haven't subscribed go do that just make it easy on yourself you don't have to seek us out every week just let us come to you when, with a subscription and review us on those services that you get us from um and that would be huge help us get the word out to other people and if you'd like to join the discussion we had some great questions from uh justin woody tom barrett florian barca um and atul jatar uh you can also send us your questions uh west of north london at gmail.com or if you're on twitter we are at w of n london uh, we'd love to hear from you. Just send us whatever's on your mind, um, especially if you need to vent or be elated after this uh, North London Derby this weekend. Come to us. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be your shoulder to cry on. 
we will jump and be excited with you. Uh, we, let's, let's hope it's the latter. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's pretty much as let's try that again i think that's pretty much (laughs) it for us this week uh as always i'll see you at the next gun show (laughs) i almost missed that i was like as always (laughs) 